0: I couldn't hear you. Frank and, oh, Frank and Joyce. Thank you, Frank and Joyce, for your wonderful job putting up these American flags for us. And, you know, this is a 4th of July weekend. Why don't we stand together and pledge our allegiance to the flag? Shall we do that this this morning? <laughs> Amen. What a g- great reminder of the blessings of God and the free country that we live in. Amen. Let's... let's uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and free for all. Amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. And and thank you, Heidi, for that wonderful presentation. Wow, I heard so many great things about you. Now I know what they're talking about. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Amen, everyone. So this morning we are going to, we're continuing in our gospel, the gospel of John. If you want to get ready, we'll look at that in just a second in John 16. But many of you know, welcome, by the way, to our visitors, what, a, what our guests. We're very blessed to have all of our guests with us today. We're so blessed, and thank you for being here. Thank you all for being here. Amen. Oh, and you know about the, yeah, Connect Card. I don't think we have enough mugs out there. <laughs> but uh, this morning, I want uh, my wife, Tess. I like to talk about my wife. She, uh, many of you know, she's a, uh, she is an elementary school teacher. Anybody remember being in elementary school? You know, it huh? <laughs> sounds like, yeah. And uh, did you get in a little trouble there, Brian? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm uh, just kidding. Uh, you know, when elementary school, we had to walk in line, single file, you know, uh, one behind each other. That was always a challenge. I've been a substitute teacher for the last seven years. And that's like one of the biggest challenges for me is getting the kids to stay in line, you know. You, know, you walk them out. you got to walk them to the cafeteria or the library or walk them back to class. And, uh, you know, you look at all the other teachers, and they have their classes very well trained. They're lined up right behind each other. They're nice and quiet. They're perfectly straight. But you always know when there's a substitute. <laughs> you know, yeah, What's supposed to be a what's supposed to be a straight line? You know, with no uh, unbroken line is a is a broken line. A zigzag, you know, zigzag. And people are talking, kids are talking. You got to say, Joey, Joey, uh, back in line, right behind each other. No talking, <laughs> okay. Wow. But there's a pastor. There's a pastor by the name of Alex Alex Evans in Virginia that uses this illustration about. Uh, lining up single file in school, and uh, you know, and then of course, he's talking about classes that were well trained and uh, no talking. You know, lying right behind each other, and he says he remembers those days, those single line days, uh, being in school, and uh, you know, uh, where, where, where you couldn't talk to your neighbor, na- you couldn't, you couldn't have a neighbor, you couldn't have someone next to you. You had to be just quiet right behind each other, and he says this about that. He says, I used to dread that. He said, it meant no standing beside your friend. It meant no talking, uh, walking, uh, nobody walking alongside somebody else. And then he uses the illustration of life. He says, it's like life. Much of life, he said, involves single file. Okay, he says, uh, we have to find our own way. Uh, We have to figure out, on our own, what, what comes next for ourselves, whether it uh, has to do, you know, uh, college or maybe going to college or another path. And we have to find our own way. And then after that, we have to find out what comes next. And that's just how life unfolds. It may involve friends and family. It may advise, involve pa- uh, partners and spouses, communities, uh, and community and care. But we have to find our own way, he says. Then he, talk, then he explains about the Holy Spirit. He explains about how the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. And he tells us the Greek word, which is true in, in, for the Holy Spirit, the, the word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit is parakletos. Parakletos means one who comes alongside. And... Um, The one who comes alongside and he says, in this single file world, we are given the grand gift, the powerful promise that the very essence of God will be alongside us in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. He is a gift for believers in Jesus Christ, a gift in this life where we have to figure out what comes next. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to be telling his disciples in this text we're about to read about the Holy Spirit as our helper who he sends to us. So if you're ready, we're going to look at John chapter 16. And uh, if you're able and willing, if you could stand together with me, we'll read John 16 verses 5 to 16. John 16, verses 5 to 16, and it says this. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no more. And about judgment, because the prince of this world will now stand condemned. I have much more to say to you much more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me, because it is for Me that he will, uh, from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine, that is why I said, the Spirit will receive, will rec- the Spirit will receive you receive from me. He will make will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me. Amen. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed. Yes, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. And the Holy Spirit as a person. You know, Jesus uses the personal pronoun, he, several times here. He. The Holy Spirit is not just a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the text that we just read, he's communicated to as a person, and he communicates to us as a person. It says that he he, he hears, uh, he communicates what he hears from Jesus, and, and, he, and he, speaks to, he speaks to us what Jesus has told him, the Holy Spirit. We're going to look this morning, we're going to look at three works of the Holy Spirit as our helper, And the first work we're going to look at is this. The Holy Spirit, and there's an outline on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. It says the Holy Spirit brings comfort, brings comfort to believers. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit in these scriptures, verse 5 and 6. It says, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me where are you going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I said these things. You see, Jesus is telling him, telling the disciple that he's going back to the Father. Then he gives him a gentle rebuke, a gentle rebuke. He says, none of you asked me where are you going. See, at that moment, they were not interested in where Jesus was going or or, or, or what would be happening. They were were filled with grief because they were going to lose him. You know, they were were filled with sorrow because of what Jesus had just said. Grief, sorrow. They were absorbed in their sorrow, concerned about uh, what would happen next. They were confused. You know, when when someone passes from this life, we grieve. We grieve because we miss them. Sometimes we can grieve just as heavily before they pass than than we do after they pass. That's how it was with me and my mother. I took care of my mother. She had cancer. Lived with her for about a year year and a half until she passed. And I remember grieving just as hard. When you know someone just has a short time, when you know know, it's a short time, it can cause you to grieve. And this is what the disciples were doing. They were grieving for Jesus. They were grieving because he was leaving. And they weren't sure they would know what to do. But Jesus gives them these words of comfort in verse 7. In verse 7, Jesus understands their grief. And he says this. He says, truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, or as the uh, New American Standard says, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's for your benefit. It's for, it's for their benefit that he was leaving. It's for their benefit that he would die on the cross so he could remove their sin. It's for their benefit that he would rise from the cross so he would defeat death. And when he rose, and when he rose, he would send the Holy Spirit Amen. alongside the parakletos. He would send the Spirit to believers. That word parakletos, which is used to describe the Holy Spirit, is made up of two Greek words. The first word is para. It's a combination of two words. Para, which means alongside. It's the same word from which we get our word paralegal, paramedic. And in school, paraprofessional. These are all titles of jobs, workers that come alongside. And they help the lawyer. They help the doctor. They help the teacher. They come alongside. The second word, parakletos, comes from the word kaleo. Kletos is a form of the word kaleo, which means to call. To call. So parakletos literally means to call alongside. The Holy Spirit is the one who is called alongside to be with us, to be with us, to walk with us, to abide with us, the paracletos. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes alongside as our counselor. He comes alongside as our encourager, and he comes alongside to comfort us. Jesus said, unless I go, the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, will not come to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ himself. Within the Trinity, within the nature of the one God are the three persons. The three persons are separate, yet they are one. One in nature, one in spirit. It is only through the Holy Spirit that Jesus, in and through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus can come to be with us. That's why he said in Matthew 28, uh, uh, 28 uh, what is it, 20, uh, uh, 28 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And do you know what? When you receive Jesus as your Savior, He is with you and He comes to live in you. And Jesus says the same thing about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 17, He says this. He says, but you're talking about the Holy Spirit. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church. It's when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that's when you're saved. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. We become a part, when that happens, we become a part of the body of Christ. We become a part of the church of Christ. And without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. Why? Why? Because uh, the church of Jesus Christ is made up of born-again believers who have received the Spirit of Christ, received the Spirit of God, received the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ that comes to live within us. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our helper. He comes to strengthen us he comes to walk with us. He comes to be with us. And with the Holy Spirit, you are not alone. You're not alone. You know the song, Precious Lord, uh, Take My Hand? That was written by a, a gospel singer by the name of Thomas Dorsey. Not to be Tommy Dorsey, not to be uh, uh, confused with the, the big band Tommy Dorsey. This was a gospel singer who was inspired to write this song from a tragedy in his life. His wife had died, his baby had died, and he buried them both in the same coffin. And at that time, he wrote about what was going on in him. He said, after I put my wife and baby away in the same casket, I began to feel that God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore or write any more gospel songs. Then I heard a voice. I heard a voice that said to me, you're not alone. You're not alone. He said, everyone was so kind to me in these sad hours. And then he went to a local college that had a music room. And in this music room was a a good piano. So he sat down on that piano bench. And, and And he says this, He said, In my solitude, I began to browse over the keys like like a gentle herd pasturing on tender turf. Something happened to me there. I had a strange feeling inside a sudden calm, a quiet stillness. As my fingers began to manipulate over the keys, words began to fall into place on the melody like drops of water falling from the crevice of a rock and God gave him the song precious Lord take my hand lead me on let me stand I'm tired I'm weak and I'm worn through the storm through the night lead me on to the light take my hand precious Lord lead me home Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be our helper. So you're not alone. So you're not alone. He brings comfort to believers. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit. Comfort of God's very own presence alongside us and in us. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit. The second work is this. The second work of the Spirit in in the scriptures that we're reading now is this. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to the world. Verse 8. Verse 8. He says this. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. A more literal translation is convict. The New American Standard says he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That word convict has the idea of bringing light bringing to light, exposing. Uh, The Holy Spirit convicts the world, brings to light three things. Three things, and the first is this. He convicts the world of sin. When he shines the light on sin, he brings a sense of guilt, uh, 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 of sinning. The word here also for convict has to do with conviction in a courtroom where a person is proven guilty, Uh, The the wrong has been exposed. The sin has been proven. But you know what? Conviction and guilt is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing. Guilt is a good thing. It is. It's a good thing because if you've never felt the guilt, uh, convicted of the guilt of your sin, you wouldn't know you were sinning. Amen? Amen? We need to feel guilt. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. But that conviction of guilt, God brings to us. If you've never felt the conviction of guilt, you'd never know that you need God's forgiveness. We need a conscience. We need to know when we've done wrong. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to show us when we've done wrong so we can repent, so we can turn to God and find forgiveness. The sense of guilt can be like an alarm on a car system. Did you know that? <laughs> we had a little experience I won't go into the story, but my wife and I had—we went away a couple of days. The alarm went off. We couldn't get it. We had to drive all the way home with that alarm going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an—it's al- like the alarm on a- Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz makes this comparison. She says it like this. She talks about cars that are equipped with alarm systems. She says, some of the more sensitive ones can be really annoying to the general public. Have you ever had a an uh, alarm go off just by walking by it? <laughs> My wife and I have. Uh, that, really, uh, <clears throat> that, that really put a shock in our walk. <laughs> <laughs> but Am Graham says this. She says that alarm system, the sensitivity of that system is designed to protect Against unwanted entry. In other words, it's there to protect from someone breaking in, right? God has put an alarm system in us to warn us of um, the unwanted entry of sin. In other words, it's there to keep sin from breaking in. And what is that alarm system? Guilt. Guilt. It's an alarm system From God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction of our sin. Guilt, she said, is our friend. Without it, we would go on in sin until we were dominated and defeated by it. In our pleasure-seeking, anything-goes-feel-good society, guilt is anathema. In other words, it's a curse. We we run from it, but we can't rid ourselves of it. The only thing that can wash away our sin and guilt before God is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, by the way, when you're praying for someone's salvation, one of the things you can throw in your prayer is that they will sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, understand the, the sin within, and turn to God to be forgiven and be right with the Lord. First, uh, the Holy Spirit brings the conviction to the world, conviction of our sin. Secondly, he brings conviction of righteousness. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, he, he brings a conviction of righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no more. Jesus says, when he goes to the Father, His righteousness will be available to us. Righteousness here means being right with God, having a right standing with God. How do you get that right standing? How do you get that righteousness? Well, it's available when you put your faith in the righteous one. Who is the righteous one? Our Lord Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in the righteous one, one. We have no righteousness of our own to offer to God apart from Jesus Christ. Romans 3 verse 10 says this. There is none righteous, no not one. We can't offer God any righteousness of our own. Isaiah 64 Isaiah sixty four verse 4 says this. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. We can't offer them to God in exchange for salvation. It won't work. Why? Because we're tainted we're depraved and we're under the curse of sin the only way we can find righteousness with god is by turning to him asking for forgiveness asking for his mercy do you remember the parable luke chapter 18 you might want to look at it with me luke chapter 18 the parable of the publican and the uh, the tax collector or the pharisee and the tax collector yeah. jesus told this parable it's in luke 18 And beginning with verse 9, he's talking about people that had a a false sense of righteousness, their own righteousness. And it goes like this. Luke 18, beginning with verse 9, he says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. There were two men who went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, the robbers and the evildoers, those nasty (laughs) adulterers, (laughs) or even like this old tax collector over here. Uh, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He would look down and he'd beat his chest. he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Amen. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. He was made righteous before God. Not that phony Pharisee with his false sense of uh, self-righteousness. Come on, <laughs> no. We can't offer God any righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. Turning to him. Turning to him. Asking forgiveness. Pleading his mercy and receiving the righteousness of his son. Romans chapter 3 verse 22. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Have you turned from your sin? Have you turned? Have you received his righteousness? Not only does the Holy Spirit convict of uh, sin, uh, sin, not only does the Holy Spirit convict of righteousness, but the Holy Spirit convicts of judgment, verse, verse 11. Verse 11 of John 16 says it this way. Jesus says, Jesus says in verse 11, he says about judgment, the Holy Spirit convicts about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. That's Satan. Satan stands condemned. He was defeated at the cross. There was a time set by God where he is going to suffer eternal banishment and punishment in the lake of fire. But you know what? Not only is Satan judged, the Bible says all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, judgment. We're all going to face God's judgment. You see, that's part of the gospel, too. The gospel isn't good news until you understand the bad news. Uh, uh, The bad news is that we're sinners. We're separated from God. We're condemned uh, eternally to death, apart from Christ. The good news, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. Jesus, by putting faith in Christ, we can have eternal life. We can have eternal life in him. Look at this, John chapter 5. We will not. We will, we will cross over from death to life and not be judged. John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life. Listen to this. He will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. See, Jesus is that bridge from death to life. Have you crossed over the bridge? Have you crossed over the bridge of Jesus Christ, putting your faith in Him? So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Now, not only does the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit bring comfort to believers; not only is the work of the Holy Spirit convicting, uh, bringing conviction to the world, but third and finally, world, but third and finally, the work of the Holy Spirit, our Helper, is to bring. Revelation of the truth. Verse 12. Verse 12 of John 16 says this. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. Jesus is saying I have a lot of truth I want to tell you. But you're not ready yet. You're not mature enough yet. You're not in that place yet. You see God has truths waiting to be discovered. But we've got to continue to grow in our maturity. We've got to continue to seek Him, to find these truths. It was not time yet for them to understand. But, but, you see, receiving the truths of God is a process. It's a process that we go through. When we seek Him. And the Spirit of truth, verse 13, verse 13, it says this. The Spirit of truth, when He comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll reveal to you all truth. The Holy Spirit reveals all truth. Now, the word guide there literally means to lead the way. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, leads the way. He leads us, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are called sons or children of God. If the Holy Spirit leads you, He'll lead you into all truth. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Uh, How does the Holy Spirit lead us? How does the Holy Spirit guide us? The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us by opening doors and closing doors. Let's take a look. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6. This is what's called the Macedonian call. Acts 16, beginning with verse 6. Paul answered the Macedonian call. You see, Paul was not, a, not anticipating going to Macedonia. He was not planning on going to Macedonia. But the Holy Spirit Closed every other door, as we'll see in a minute. Closed every other door he wanted to go and gave him a vision. A vision to go to Macedonia. Let's take a look. Acts 16 with verse, beginning with verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word to these provinces of Asia. Okay, Holy Spirit kept him, closed the door. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. You notice how the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus here. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. He had a vision of a man Uh, of macedonia standing and begging him come over to macedonia and help us and paul had seen the vision we got ready at once to leave for macedonia concluding that god had called us to preach the gospel to them you see macedonia is modern day northern greece it is still called the gateway to europe so because God, he, Paul heeded the call to go to Macedonia, the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread throughout Europe. And because the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread throughout Europe, it was spread throughout the Western world. And the Western world is you and me. Thank God Paul answered the call. Amen. He heeded the call. The Holy Spirit opened that door, gave him that vision, and he went right through He went right through. The Holy Spirit reveals. He brings revelation of the truth. He reveals the truth. How does he do it? He reveals the truth through God's word that we can apply it in the way we live. And reveals the truth of God's will so we can follow the path he gives. These are the three helping works of the Holy Spirit. He brings comfort to believers in our grief and in our sorrow. We're not alone. He comes alongside us. Second, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, he sets sets off that inner alarm system. (laughs) Right? He sets it off. So we know the guilt of our sin. Of righteousness, he reminds us that our only righteousness is the righteousness of Christ and of judgment. He shows us that Satan has been judged and we will be too. We're going to stand before the judgment seat. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit brings revelation of the truth. He guides us in all truth. And he leads us as we seek to know God's path. He opens the doors. He closes the door. In a single file world, God promises to be alongside us as we follow his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as our helper. He sends him not only to lead us as individuals, but lead us as a church. Amen? Amen. Let us look for the Spirit's leading as our helper and as our guide as we look to Jesus who said... I will build my church. The Holy Spirit is with us. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, so much, Lord, that you sent the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit to be with us, to come alongside us, In this single file world, help us. Thank you, Lord, that we know that you're with us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to to, to follow your lead as you open doors and close doors. Help us to, to, to know your conviction, the conviction of your spirit. Help us to be a comfort. Lord, as you comfort us, help us to comfort others. Lead us, Lord Jesus. Lead us, Holy Spirit.